Talk of the Town is a public service program produced by Midwest Family Springfield, airing Sunday morning on 92.7 WMAY, 98.7 WNNS, 97.7 WQLZ, and 102.5 The Lake. The mission of the show is to provide you with new information on the great organizations and great people in the Springfield area who work hard to make things easier for others throughout our community and to make Springfield a better place to live. The intent of this program is to be timely, topical, to entertain, and to inform. Talk of the town. This is Trent Nelson. Good morning. And what a wonderful morning it is. We're happy to have you. Happy to be joined by you this morning. We have some great guests on the program today. You have Dr. Ian Hunt of the Abraham Lincoln Presidential Library and Museum. He has come down to speak to us about, well, about a very special innovation that the museum got several weeks ago. An ambrotype of the 16th president, President Abraham Lincoln. You might have heard of him, somewhat famous around these parts. From his 1857 senatorial bid against somebody called Stephen A. Douglas. You might have heard of him as well. Also well known around these parts and in the American history books. And then, speaking of history and of local history, we have Dana Thomas House Foundation President and Sangamon County Historical Society President Cindy Klickna joining us. She's given us the rundown of what the Sangamon County Historical Society, the Dana Thomas House Foundation, as well as a couple other partnering groups and organizations are planning to do, well, across the next weeks, months, even into 2024. So stay tuned, stay locked in, have a little breakfast, a little coffee as per usual. This is Talk of the Town. Talk of the town, Trent Nelson here. This is a bit of a historical endeavor this morning. We're here with a doctor. He's a doctor of history. He doesn't need all that pomp and circumstance, though. His name is Ian Hunt. He works for the Abraham Lincoln Presidential Library and Museum, and he is the chief of acquisitions and special projects. And that essentially means, although I'll allow for him to go into it further, he's the boundary line as for what comes into the museum. If you ever wondered to yourself, I wonder who picks this stuff? Well, you're about to hear the gentleman who begins that process to some degree. Sir, thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's Again, it's all ours. We love talking history. Usually, we're just by ourselves doing it to the wall, and so it's wonderful to have another genius, to be frank and honest with you, sir. We will get into matters as quickly as we often do on this program. What sort of acquisitions has the chief of acquisitions been acquiring for the Abraham Lincoln Presidential Library and Museum recently, sir? Well, what has made the biggest news recently, uh, we received from a very generous family out of Tennessee an 1858 ambrotype photo of Abraham Lincoln. It was taken here in Illinois, actually in the community of Pittsfield, by a photographer named Calvin Jackson. 
And for our audience uh, that may not be fully familiar with the evolution of photography, could you give them a bit of insight as to what an ambrotype is? An ambrotype is unique uh, against, say, a daguerreotype, a tintype, a CDV, in that the image itself is a glass plate negative. The way that you see the image is that they place it on a black background, which allows the, I use the term color, but of course it's a black and white image, but it allows the darker shades to come through. Otherwise, the you would just see essentially a, a ghost Lincoln if, if you did not have that black backing behind it. So when people look at the picture, they tend to believe that it is a photograph behind glass. But the photograph is the glass in this case. Fascinating. So thank you for explaining that to our audience. It seems to me that delving into history, we might find innovations that were long ago uh, surpassed, yet at the times... Uh, were the big new thing, right? That's absolutely correct. The ambrotype process was used for more than a decade. It creates incredibly high-resolution images. The downside, of course, is, is that if you try to clean the glass in any way, uh, in, in an amateur manner, we'll say, uh, you tend to get swirls. There's always the danger of breaking the glass itself. And unfortunately, the process, you know, it became much cheaper to be able to create CDVs and things of that nature. And people moved away from an expensive process to a, a more economical one. And that is a whole nother episode of Talk of the Town with you, sir. Uh, we appreciate that insight again. Now, this is such a fascinating topic. We could also spend hours speaking about it with you. How... Did this generous family end up with this wonderful, marvelous treasure unswirled and deformed for so many years or decades? So in 1858, in the fall of 1858, Lincoln is locked in what is up to that point in his life the, the most extreme political struggle that he's ever been in. He has challenged Stephen A. Douglas to see who will represent the state of Illinois in the United States Senate. Uh, they have both famously decided to speak uh, together, have a series of public debates that were held at locations like Ottawa and Alton, Quincy, so on and so forth. But what most people don't realize is that in between those debates, of course, they didn't happen, you know, one day after the next. Both candidates uh, were traveling around the state. They were speaking independently. Uh, just essentially trying to rouse voters and, and get them to understand the party platforms that they were offering and get their support for the upcoming election. So in late September, Mr. Lincoln finds himself in Jacksonville where he speaks in on September the 27th, I believe. The next day he heads to Winchester, gives another speech there, and then finds himself in the community of Pittsfield, Illinois. After his two-and-a-half-hour-long speech was done, uh, one of the organizers of the political rally, a gentleman by the name of Gilmer, asked if Lincoln would sit for a photographer that was in town. Lincoln agreed. When the photographer was done that day, he actually asked that two copies of the picture that the photographer made be made. He presented one to the Gilmer family for helping to arrange the rally and, and being so supportive of Lincoln's candidacy. But the second one he gave to a gentleman by the name of Charles Lame, and this is where the story gets really interesting. In that day and age, it was very common uh, for politicians to create a, a party or carnival-like atmosphere. Uh, 
when giving a rally. Of course, you have to convince citizens that they should hitch up the wagon, they should quit farming for the day, they should you know, come the five miles into town. So you have to give a big speech. You have to provide things like food and music and fireworks to draw a large crowd. And one of the things they were using at Pittsfield, they intended to fire a cannon, fire blanks, to announce Lincoln's arrival and announce the conclusion of his speech, you know, very celebratory. And Charles Lame, uh, who owned a furniture store in Pittsfield, was among a group of gentlemen who the day before Lincoln's rally were test firing the cannon and unfortunately it misfired. And Mr. Lame was standing in front of the barrel when it went off and it nearly took one arm off. He had severe burns over the upper portion of his body. And at one point the doctors did not believe that he would survive. So Lincoln decides that one image should go to the person who helped organize the rally, but the other image should absolutely go to this man who when Lincoln went to visit the family, he believed he would die. So he wanted the family to at least have some kind of a memento thanking them for their support and thanking them for their incredible sacrifice. Unbelievable. And this gentleman, from all of the illusions that I'm hearing in your voice, uh, he did not pass away at that moment. Over the course of several days, uh, they used several different treatments, including packing the wound that he had in his arm with maggots, uh, which sounds disgusting today, but which uh, medical professionals will tell you that maggots will only eat dead flesh. They will not eat living. And so it was able to clean the wound uh, in a very effective manner. And Mr. Lame managed to pull through, and he actually lived a very long life. I believe he lived into his late 70s, and I think he had a heck of a story to tell for the rest of his life. And what a story it was. He's not here this morning with us, but Dr. Ian Hunt is. Dr. Ian Hunt of the Abraham Lincoln Presidential Library and Museum, here with us on Talk of the Town, speaking about the wonderful new addition to the museum, the Ambrotype picture of Abraham Lincoln during his senatorial uh, race against somebody called Stephen A. Douglas. You may have heard of him in the history books. Sir, we often talk badly about the individuals who lived in the past, the societies that lived in the past. They had to get by somehow. They knew maggots and leeches and all sorts of different stuff did things that perhaps we wouldn't use today. But certainly, we should be kinder to them as there's a very good chance that we will require some kindness from the future ourselves. It was the technology and the knowledge they had on hand. They were they were using the best of their ability. A famous historian once said that a uh, that moralists should not be historians. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> so so Mr. Hunt, Dr. Hunt, Ian Hunt, this ambrotype after the, the, the gentleman who received it was able to pull through after a very unfortunate accident inviting Mr. Lincoln into town. It managed to survive the years, the decades, up until recently when, what, his relatives found it and offered it to the museum? It was a, a real point of family pride for generations, multiple generations. It was this unique connection to a man who would go on to become arguably the most famous president in history, one of the most famous historical figures in world history. So the family held on to it. It passed down through multiple generations. And 
Unfortunately, last year, the matriarch of the family, Mrs. Davidson, passed away from cancer. Her four children came together and pretty quickly realized that it really wouldn't be fair for just one of them to hold on to it. It was something they'd all admired. They knew they couldn't exactly cut it into four individual pieces and pass it off. So they believed that the best thing to do would be to give it to an institution where it could be cared for, uh, where it could be displayed for the general public, where it could be researched in the future, and that it really belonged to the people of the United States, not just to their family, which is why they reached out to us. That is absolute brilliance and I can speak for a good swath of the community uh, when I say that we are appreciative of their gift because it's so easy to keep something. It is so easy to keep something, and it is so very easy to cash in on something. It would have been very simple for them to have sent it off to auction. It would have brought a considerable sum. I, I, I don't want to even try to dive into an exact figure, but... Uh, they talked about a sense of civic duty, and that's something that used to be very much ingrained in our, in our culture and society, was this notion that if your family had been lucky enough to have these brushes with history, that when you were done with them or when you no longer needed them, that they should go into the public realm. They should be available to the public. And unfortunately, um, you know, shows like Antiques Roadshow and Pawn Stars now teaches us that... Uh, uh, we should cash in on our family history. Um, but they were very adamant that this really belonged to the people of America. In days of of greater communal uh, happenstance of, of functionality, uh, a less private society than we have today, a civic responsibility and a sense of duty would have matured more naturally in many circumstances because people are going to be living at the disposal of others. You you rely on others in a way that is more tangible. Now we rely on others in uh, all of these far-off abstract ways. Absolutely. It's, it's really important to consider, and we appreciate you so much, Doctor, for coming down and speaking to us not only about the Ambrotype picture, but of course, all of the ripples that have come off of that picture across the decades, right? The ripples that happened with the family over the decades, but of course, still today, we are still being affected by the, the thoughtfulness of the 16th president as well as the altruism of, of the family. Absolutely. So, Doctor, are there any other secret surprises at the museum that our listeners need to know about? We are approached about objects, not always of this caliber, not always of this significance, but we are approached, I would say, on a daily basis um, about materials that relate to the 16th president, but also materials that relate to just general Illinois history. We've always got things going on. Um, we do have uh, a few big things that will be coming up. I can't go into a lot of detail right now. Um, but we do, in the spring, we will be announcing the acquisition of a significant Lincoln document to the collection. Um, it's a Civil War era document, I can tell you that much. Um, and it's something that helps to really change the course of the war. Um, but it's, it actually, just like the photograph uh, that we got, just like the Ambrotype, it needed some work. So it is in conservation right now. We're, we're trying to make it look as close as we can to the way it would have in 1861. And uh, when that's complete, we will make all of those announcements and uh, 
But, you know, I could go back to my office this afternoon and there could be a call waiting for me with some spectacular item that uh, we either never knew existed or that we have not seen in decades. You heard it here first, folks. There are cliffhangers all over the place with Dr. Ian Hunt and the Abraham Lincoln Presidential Library and Museum. You better come back and join us again when we speak to the doctor and his colleagues about these new innovations that we have been teased about. We will let the doctor go, however. He's a busy gentleman. Sir, thank you so much for coming down and speaking with us this morning. Thank you so much for having me. The pleasure is absolutely all ours. Talk of the town. This is Trent Nelson. Go live the history. It's everywhere. Talk of the town. This is Trent Nelson, and we've got more friends. A return visitor. The last two times she has been on the program, she has been wearing uh, separate hats for each time. This time she's double hatting it. Okay, President Cindy Klickna of the Sangamon County Historical Society as well as the Dana Thomas House Foundation. If I told you she was actually doing more, we wouldn't have enough time in the episode. She's a busy, busy person, and we are so thankful to have her down this morning. Thank you so much, President Klickna. Thank you, Trent. It's great to be here again. Well, we love it. We love good company. We love good friends. We get lonely here on Talk of the Town. But we will jump right into it, as is traditional on the program. There's some stuff going on around Springfield, around Sangamon County, concerning the Sangamon County Historical Society, as well as the Dana Thomas House Foundation. We got to know more about it, President. Please tell us. I'd be happy to. Both of our groups have programs planned throughout 2024. And so some of them are joint programs between our two organizations because we believe in partnerships. So we'll start with November. And November 14th, the Historical Society and the Dana Thomas House Foundation and the uh, Springfield Art Association, all three of us. Three of our favorite friends. Are partnering with a program about Lee Gross Day and Susan Lawrence Dana, who were best friends, and Lee Gross Day was a nationally known artist. Many people don't even know that she did this artwork. Photography, drawings, she put uh, books together. She published two books. Now think about a woman, 1907 and 1908, she published these books of her artwork, poetry, embellished, and Betsy Dollar, the executive director of the Art Association, will help talk about what made her art so unique and ahead of the time. We love Betsy. Uh, she is a wonderful artist herself, and, and we know that her explanation will be uh, very fulfilling and very satisfying to hear. And Allison, who's going to do the program next Tuesday, is also helping with this program, and I am also. And interestingly, um, Allison is a docent at the Dana Thomas House. She gave a tour one day, and a lady came up to her at the end of the tour and said, I am Lee Gross Day's granddaughter. So we have now been in contact with two granddaughters and a great-granddaughter, have discovered new pictures, new uh, artwork, 
and Lee Gross Day was planning to publish a third book of her work when unfortunately she died in 1910. But her relationship with Susan goes back to when they were, they were only a year apart, they lived down the street from each other. Lee used the Dana Thomas house for many of her portraits, or should say photography, of her own children. So we're going to be showcasing some of the artwork and some of the photos that you'll be very, it's very obvious they're at the Dana Thomas house. Well, that just gives us more incentive to hang out with and at the Dana Thomas house, go to uh, Springfield Art Association and, and also read a little bit about Historico. Right. And that's on November 14th, 5.30 at the Art Association with wine and snacks and then the program. You had us with art, but then wine and <laughs> snacks also piqued our interest that's as right. well. <laughs> December, both organizations will have the annual holiday party. December 8th will be the Dana Thomas House walk through the Dana Thomas House. Always beautiful in the evening, decorated for the holidays. And December 13th will be the Sangamon County Historical Society, and we're going to hold it at Edwards Place, another famous house here in Springfield. What makes it so famous, President Clickman? Well, it was where Ninian Edwards lived and has been fixed up. It has a couch where Lincoln and Mary Todd once sat. <laughs> and it's just a beautiful home also that's very well taken care of by the Art Association. You heard it here from the <laughs> president. Go see some of the history that maybe you don't know about see where those two lovebirds, the 16th president and his wife, hung out. You know, they really did care for each other very much. Yes, they were they deeply did. in love and yes. very passionately uh, caring for one another. her family did not want her to marry him, but <laughs> she went ahead. <laughs> yeah, well, her family was uh, was a little bit funny by, by our standards, especially with what Mr. Lincoln ended up doing yes, for the right. union. So both of our organizations have programs going on into 2024. January 16th, we're going to have Michael Jackson talk about the entire renovation that took place in the Dana Thomas house. He was basically in charge of much of that work. We moved to February. The Historical Society is going to have a presentation on who were the neighbors of the Edwards, Ninian Edwards, which should be an interesting look at the time period. If you go up to April, the big event for the Dana Thomas House Foundation is our annual fundraiser. And last year we recreated the 1912 Valentine party that Susan had. Well, this year we're going to focus on Frank Lloyd Wright. We're bringing in a nationally known speaker, Tim Totten. And he's going to talk about the fall, then the rise of Frank Lloyd Wright. Frank Lloyd Wright had some problems with his uh, personal life that could have ended his career. But when he designed a certain house, that's always a surprise, which house really was the one that set off his career. Well, it wasn't the Dana Thomas house, but um, 
as a very interesting story. So we're going to have a dinner and a speaker and fun times, and that's April 13th. We're really looking forward to that. We don't know that story. Right. And and we love a good story here. So that will be a very interesting uh, program. And the Historical Society will once again in May honor those who have been Underground Railroad conductors. Last year, we um, partnered with Tazewell County and put up a plaque of someone who was from Tazewell County originally, but is actually buried here in Springfield at Oak Ridge. And Tazewell County uh, has been putting up markers at Underground Railroad conductor sites. So we participated in that. But this year, we are going to focus on African Americans who were conductors on the Underground Railroad. Many. Yes, there were quite a few. So that will be in May. So there's just so many programs. You know, people sometimes say Springfield is boring. Springfield is not boring. You could go to something every night here in the city. Amy Beadle, a visit Springfield, we talk about it all the time. We even have a bit of an inside joke, which I think she would be happy to share with you. You almost have to be trying not to find something to do in Springfield to yes. be bored. There are nights you could pick out three different things to go to. Yes, yes. And they're all great. Absolutely, absolutely. Talk of the town. This is Trent Nelson here with President Cinda Klickner, president of what you might ask? Well, president of all of the things. President of the Dana Thomas House Foundation as well as the Sangamon County Historical Society. And she has just given us uh, a bit of a rundown on what we can expect to see over uh, the successive months ahead. Now, President Klickner, you'll be back to talk with us soon. One sure. should hope. I'd be happy to because, you know, the money that we raise goes to very important projects. Like what? The Sangamon County Historical Society provides grants to groups and individuals in town and in the county who are working to improve things. So this year we gave money for a plaque at the Hebrew area of Oak Ridge. And there was just a ceremony recently. So things like that. And the Dana Thomas House Foundation raises money. Our big project right now is to help with replacing 30-plus-year-old carpets at the house that, of course, have to be designed appropriately, historically accurate, and is very expensive. They were designed 30 years ago specifically for this purpose as well, not being originals, correct? Yes. Yes. Uh, that's something they love to talk, talk to you about when you go there. <laughs> so part of the money is to help with just our expenses and our newsletters and, you know, sending out mailings. But also the money we raise goes directly to programs and, and projects. Well, we appreciate all the hard work that uh, the Sangamon County Historical Society, as well as the Dana Thomas House Foundation does, and um, we're certainly thankful for the work that you and your colleagues do as well at each of those institutions. Thank you, President Clickner, for joining us this morning. Well, you know, thank you, Trent, for 
taking the time and being interested in helping others learn about what really is around in Springfield and Sangamon County. Oh, we appreciate that. We're very humbled by those kind words. President Cindy Clickness, she'll be back. Talk of the town. This is Trent Nelson. Go find the history that you didn't know existed. Thanks for listening to Talk of the Town. We'll be back next Sunday morning. Talk of the Town is a public service of Midwest Family Springfield. If you have any questions about today's program or previous programs, contact the show at MidwestFamilySPI.com slash Talk of the Town or call Midwest Family Springfield at 217-629-7077.